0: Welcome to the DJE podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder.
1: Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. My guest is my friend, Jamie Gruber. He does a lot of things. He was an insurance executive in his corporate life, had a really good job. That he opted to leave for entrepreneurship. So he's got a podcast, get the tribe of millionaires podcast, which we link to in the show notes here. Uh, check that out. He's also doing multifamily syndications as a member of quantum capital. And he talk about his, we talk about his role on that team, uh, I've mentioned before that I'm starting to explore more guests that are more entrepreneurial, not necessarily just multifamily operators like a lot of guests have been in our past. And that's really just because that's that's what fires me up. I, lo- I love hearing the origin story about how somebody went from W2 to, to, to building a company. There's a lot that goes into that. I love unpacking those stories. and I think Jamie's a really good example of a guest who's done an incredible amount of things. And you could tell this guy's a podcaster. He's just like... Point after point after point after point, you know, really striving to add as much value to the to the business listeners or aspiring entrepreneurs or whoever's listening to this podcast. Um, great guy, too. High energy. Known Jamie for a long time. Been on his podcast. Uh, just a, just a good dude. And we had a pretty well-rounded conversation, not just about real estate, but all kind of business stuff. They're They're living down in the Dominican Republic right now. Him and his family been down there for almost a year. So we talk about the ins and outs of making that happen. But just lots of good, actionable stuff. If you're an entrepreneur or business building a business or you're a business owner or you're an aspiring entrepreneur, that's kind of who this episode is is for. So I hope you enjoy it. If you made it this far into this podcast, thanks. We really appreciate your participation. A five-star review on Apple helps the reach of this show. We're going to have a message from our sponsors. And then we'll jump in with my friend, Jamie Gruber. This episode is brought to you by DJE Texas Management Group, a San Antonio, Texas-based real estate investment firm with a track record of transacting on several hundred million dollars of multifamily, land, and industrial deals throughout Texas. DJE's been in business for over a decade and is approaching 100 team members in San Antonio. To learn more about DJE, visit djetexas.com or the link in the show notes of this episode, this episode is also brought to you by ApartmentEducators.com, a complete ecosystem for professionals to learn how to find, finance, and operate large multifamily properties for profit. You can get started with a free mini course and learn more at ApartmentEducators.com or visit the link in the notes. Jamie, it's an honor to have you on the show, man. How are you?
0: Great, man. Good to see you. I liked, I, th- I don't know if the last time I saw you, you did the me haircut.
1: Is that a newer that a newer do? It's pretty new, man. I was kind of looking at some pictures, you know, it's like, um, you shave it down like a one on top and a little bit of a beard and, um, yeah, I don't know, maybe a year plus something like that.
0: Is it that long? Oh my gosh. I it's feel like the last time
1: long. I saw you had hair, but, uh, maybe ah, I'm wrong. Yeah, man. A lot of, uh, it's a lot simpler, you know, I do, I do like a Friday afternoon, kind of buzz it to a one and don't touch it for a week. I kind of like it, man. There you go. Good kinda for like you. Good yeah. for you. So, um, man, we got so much stuff to dive into. I want to talk about Emerge. I want to talk about the podcast. I want to talk about your multifamily stuff. I want to talk about living down in Dominican Republic, your entrepreneurial journey, all these cool things that, um, if people don't know you that are listening, they need to, they need to know your story. But I guess for a start here, how about just kind of an introduction, your background Mm. for folks that, uh. That are not in your world, yeah. So, native New Yorker by way of Boston, then Michigan,
0: and now, like you said, the Dominican Republic, and we can unpack that more. Uh, I uh, I always make the joke that I was a, I was I really wanted to be a sportscaster when I was sixteen. So naturally at 21, I became a claims adjuster. That was the yeah. easy progression, easy, right? Easy, uh, yeah, easy, typical transition. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, was, it was a revelation for me that I wanted to be in the NFL booth without doing the work to get there. Meaning I didn't want to go to Iowa and do the 2 to 6 a.m. show on classical music to build my way up. I just yeah. wanted the outcome. So a job became the backstory, the backstop. So I took this job claims adjuster with, uh, you've heard of progressive insurance, big insurance company. Sure. And I was good at it. Good with the negotiation side, interacting with people, settling claims, you know, injured parties, all that good stuff. And I quickly moved up, uh, a supervisor by 23, a manager by 24. And I was in my sort of middle management bliss for a while there. Fast forward to 30. I took a role in Boston and moved there, uh, from upstate New York and, um, it opened my eyes. It opened my eyes to like, wow, okay, there's more out there. It wasn't as scary as a jump as I thought it would be. Hmm. And it kind of whet my appetite for like, what's more? And in the context of what I knew, what's more meant within the W-2. So while I had success in the new role that I had within a year or two, I really started looking for that executive level job. I wanted to be in an equity position. I wanted to make the big bonus, the big salary, all of that. And when I got to the point of being qualified enough to apply, I did. And I think seven or eight different places didn't get it, didn't get it enough grit and determination, though. I got the job. And I remember when I got the job, moved to Michigan 30 days later, I was absolutely miserable. It was something was missing for me as I was on this path to getting this promotion. And I thought it was, I was just misplaced. Like I'm better than where I am. And I I get that job. That's going to make me happy. And it's that classic lesson. You don't get fulfillment extrinsically, you get it intrinsically. Mm-hmm. So it really made me go back and see, like, well, what is it? What, what is it that why do I feel so miserable with this gig? And honestly, I don't love insurance claims. <laughs> like it just wasn't for me. I found real estate, started listening to bigger pockets, standard story for many of us. Right. Bought a couple of duplexes, uh, bird them and really started to find this idea that wow, this might be a way that I could walk away. And mind you, wife doesn't work, two young kids making, you know, three, 400 grand a year, equity, unvested equity, uh, restricted stock units that are going to go away if I leave this job. Yep. And after pretty a while,
1: pretty compelling gravity around the W2, right? Big time. I mean, that's big time. Yeah, It
0: paid me well, but it sure. wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't for me. And I reached my breaking point in 2021. And thanks to real estate, which pivoted to, you know, this podcast and masterminds and some other businesses that we could talk about. I ended up quitting the job and uh, a vision I had prior to leaving was to travel three, four months with my family anywhere we wanted. And about a year after I quit my job and realized like, oh, I'm doing all right. We made that decision
1: to move here to the Dominican Republic to execute on that vision. That's fantastic, man. Well, congratulations on getting the rocket ship out of the orbit, right? I think that's, yeah. a, that's a lot of, um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of energy and time and emotion and, and risk. And so that's, that's what I like to talk to on the podcast, man, is people that have made that jump and, and gone for it. And so congratulations on that. Um, what, what was the genesis of wanting to travel that much? That's, that's, uh, you know, you've got to set up a lot of things in order to make that happen. So what was that about for you guys? The genesis
0: of wanting to was simply whenever I felt great, I look back over the course of the prior five, six, eight, ten 10 years, anytime I felt great or reflected on memories or looked at photos or whatever, they were all on vacation. They were all away. Not that yeah. I don't love my home or love where I'm from, but there was just, I love getting expanded context. I always, I always talk to people about this. Like I've talked, I've had conversations about moving here as an example to the Dominican. And I remember one guy in particular, I forget who he was, but I was talking to him He's from North Carolina. He's moved from like one city in North Carolina to like one other city in North Carolina. Like that's his context. So when I mentioned I live in Punta Cana, he's like, oh, I've been there. I'd never lived there. I'm like, okay, that's not a question. I don't, you know, it's a statement. The fact that he didn't ask the question to me speaks to the fact that his context is limited. doesn't make me better or worse, but I've always enjoyed the idea of having expanded context because with expanded context, I could fit more content. So for talking to this guy or with talking to this guy, if I try to explain all of what the decision was and how living here is not what he thinks it is and everything else, I'm trying to fit all this content into a limited context. So travel for me is how I continue to expand my context. And it's very important to me to continue to grow my capability and capacity. And then it's on me to fill it with content. So that's the genesis of travel. As far as actually making the leap and make, making the move to travel, it wasn't easy from a mindset perspective. We, we test ran a month twice and thanks to go actually my, my my accountability pod pushed me on this idea of well you said you're going to go away for a month and you haven't done it so stop talking about it or do it so I did it to South Florida first and we were like okay we can we could do a month then we did the Dominican for a month my wife's from here originally so kind of a connection there and we have to be here for a you're, a month- you're there now I'm there now yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so after we were now. here for a month last January a year a year and a half ago from the time that we're recording, we said, let's just go do this for a year or whatever. So August of 2023, we moved, but uh, I'm sorry, 2022, we moved, but leading up to that, I remember being coached on this. Cause it was like, okay, what about school? What about where are we going to live? What about a car? What all these, what about taxes? Like all these things. And this coach was like, well, what's the next thing you need to do? Mm-hmm. I, like, I got to book the flight. He's like, just book the flight. And mm-hmm. once you do that, right. Then the next thing will reveal itself. And it was like, seeing all of these things lined up from right to left and trying to figure out where to go. And the moment I did the first natural thing of pick the flight, all these things that were right to left just sort of lined up behind it. It's like, okay, now we need a place to live. Well, let's Airbnb a spot for a bit before we lock into one place for the year. So we did six weeks in an Airbnb. Okay. Now we need a car. Well, my wife's half brother has a little dealership here and we taught him what a lease was and we leased the car. They don't lease down here. Otherwise, okay, now we need a school. Well, there's three options. So this is the one that best fits. And all of a sudden it's like, I guess we just got to move now. <laughs> so yeah. it was just taking that first step into the unknown. And then once you're in the unknown, the next thing happens. And I always teach this in Emerge. It's all the entrepreneurs I know that do anything. They're not ready aim, fire people. They're ready, fire, aim. They, they learn what to aim at after they fire. And that's what I've sort of lived by. And that's how I, I was
1: able to make this move down here. I love it. And that's, uh, there's so many great lessons in that, but um, a mentor of mine said, you're driving San Antonio to Houston. You're not waiting for all the lights to be green. Just you get in the car first. Yeah, it's it's going to be life. a journey. There's going to be s- stuff that happens, but you're certainly not waiting for green lights the whole way. You never get anywhere. I, I love that, that lesson about it. Well, t- let's talk about emerge and I want to make sure we kind of get into that. Um, so, Go I've talked about on the show. It's a it's a group that you and I are a part of. I've been a part of it since 2017. A lot of awesome entrepreneurs and their business owners. A lot of them happen to be in real estate, like you and I are. But um, I think over time it became apparent to the to the go abundance um team that maybe there was um there's you know there's some financial requirements and stuff like that to be in go abundance but it seemed like there was a need for. To expand that a little bit so how did that come about how did you get involved with it you know walk us through that yeah I I got so much value remember I'm a W2 guy
0: making a yep. good buck I'm kind of touching this real estate thing thinking a little small duplexes thing yep. so I find this go abundance thing join it and in go abundance I'm challenged heavily and honestly the first six months I, I I felt overwhelmed by it meaning I didn't feel I belonged so yeah. I didn't leverage the membership really well enough so interesting yep.
1: It's such right. a common subject. I was the Always. same. So many. I mean, I think everybody goes through that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it took me a bit to figure out that the true secret to being in a community like this is not worrying about what I'm getting from it, but instead mm-hmm. just worry about who I can give to. How can I contribute? How can I be a contributing member to the community? So yeah. when I got out of my own way, everything changed. Like. I started I started getting deals all of a sudden in the real estate space, a 16 unit, a 22 unit. Um, we started to do this This travel. Uh, my my. I had a meetup group at the time that started to expand. Like all these amazing things happened thanks to the accountability and the push and just normalizing success by being around other people that I viewed as being much more successful than me. Mm-hmm. And so at a certain point, I went to the founders, the elders, whatever you call them, and said, hey guys, listen, I've gotten so much value here. And I think this is an important lesson, one that I've learned. I didn't ask, how can I help? So I don't like that question. I think that question puts too much of a burden on the person you're asking. Totally agree. But instead I said, what is the number one project you guys have or the number one initiative you guys have for GoBundance? And I want to see if I can help with that. And they're like, well, funny you ask. We've got this idea for like a pre-millionaire's version of, of GoBundance. We we like this term emerge. That's kind of the the word we we don't know what to do with it, but we like the, like the emerge division. Do you want to take that on? And I'm a claims executive in an insurance company. I'm like, yeah, I'll build a mastermind. Why not? Right? Ready, fire, and yeah, another natural
1: transition for you here
0: in your career. Exactly, exactly. So so yeah. So I, I I I put together what I thought it would look like on paper. I went out and I found thirty people to pay a little money for something I hadn't even really developed yet, Uh, right. and we launched it uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago now. Uh, as a, at the time, like a course and then a community associated with it. And now we've settled in nicely to just being the Emerge division of GoBundance. So there's Emerge, Elite, Champion. That's kind of the the the, the hierarchy, if you will. Zero to 2 million, 2 to 10 million, 10 million plus uh, are the three levels. And really what it's about is, I always say this, like we create whole life millionaires. We have over 50 people that have gone through Emerge and have joined GoBundance
1: as millionaires. 50, uh, the, that is so cool, man. I don't want right? to gloss by that, right? So you're taking somebody that has- so you got a net worth requirement now of two million for GoBundance. You're taking as somebody that was not in that situation, and you're taking fifty people into that situation. That's crazy, man! Incredible, right? And really, it's it's not anything I'm
0: doing per se. It's not like I'm teaching or whatever. But I've leveraged you. I've leveraged all these connections I've had. A, a skill sure. I didn't realize had value. I, I'm a connector. Like, cool. That yes. sounds nice, doesn't everybody do that? But I didn't realize the value of that. Yesterday, I had an NBA player come in and go over his one sheet with the group, That's you know? So, so the, the, the having the connections and bringing it to these folks, and they said, it like, I've never seen that many zeros on a page before. And it's just, but at the same time, I'm hearing you with the same struggles I have, you know, like you're a regular guy. And when you see a guy worth, you know, whatever, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars, who also has pissing matches with his wife, just like you do. Right. it really normalizes that level of success and you can step your way into that. And that's what I think Emerge
1: does for people. Yeah. I love it. Well, congratulations on building that. I think it's, it's um, awesome to hear stats like that about bringing people up through all of this. Um, so how did you find the that first kind of group? Was that folks within your network? Was it related to the podcast or the book or, you know, that that's starting something from scratch. is always interesting. I always like to hear kind of origin stories on getting something off the ground. Where, where do those first group of folks come from? The group of folks for GoBundance
0: Emerge. Yeah. Yeah. Like these first were people, members. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the, I don't think I was on the podcast at that time. I yeah. think they were people that were uh, like associated with GoBundance members that were, you know, up and comers. The, the initial yeah. intent of Emerge or the thought was this is going to be your like 22 to 25 year old, you know, at a college has a, a desire to kind of climb the ranks. And what we found instead was when I went to GoBundance members and said, hey guys, do you have anybody that'd be interested in being in something like this in your network? Our avatar is more like 28 to 38, 40, yeah. or 500,000 in net worth. They've done a little bit of something, but like they always say, what got you here won't get you there. And they've plateaued yeah. for themselves and their network around them is plateaued. So these are people that are, I always say they're GoBundance members or they're millionaires without the transaction volume to, to show the net worth yet, but they're doing the stuff. And this gives them a place to go. But that first group was networking within abundance And again, I, I built a reputation in the community of just being a giving contributory member. And yeah. when I finally went out and said, hey, I could use help with this, here it came. And I think that's why it's so important to abide by that. You don't join a group like a abundance or any mastermind with the idea of like, all right, what is this going to do for me? You get access, and then you should leverage that access by
1: serving. And then the rest comes to you. That's really worth underscoring and repeating you get access and then you leverage that access by serving. And that's, that's absolutely it. I mean, people at different levels of net worth are no different than anybody else. You want to do business with people, you know, like, and trust. And if there's anything I can point to in my career as an accelerant, it's, it's being in the right room. And, and especially early on trying being very diligent about trying to be the dumbest guy in the room, right? And there's several years, at least in my case, and I've seen it in lots of other people's cases, where there's an adjustment period, um, you know, and then, and then at some point, you know, then you got people looking to you all of a sudden, right? Where maybe yeah. you started out as um, just trying to get in the room, period on the bottom rung, barely hanging on. Um, but the, something magical happens with, uh, it's almost like an osmosis on the on the peer group that you're surrounding yourself with. So anyway, not trying to like pitch go but it's too hard or anything. It's just, no. it's a phenomenon I've seen over and over, over again, and for myself. So I think real
0: quick if I could on that like
1: yeah. not about abundance but just
0: about community. Mm-hmm. So I, I mentioned to you before. I had this author on Sebastian Younger. He wrote The Perfect yeah. Storm and all of this stuff. Yeah, I love it. And his books uh, Tribe and Freedom really really interesting information. They're they're quick reads. They're like two hours at one point five speed on Audible, but they're like jam packed. Like I call them like nutrient dense. Right. Yes. So he talks about the higher you go on the socioeconomic ladder, the more isolated you become. So Mm -hmm. when you look at the correlation with rates of depression, rates of suicide, they're actually higher, the higher you go. And he, he, he has found that there are three human needs. And whether you're there, like you've done amazing things. I've been able to watch your journey. It's incredible what you've done and how you're growing. But even if you're starting out and you've, and you've identified with or aligned with the idea of being a Devon, right? I'm going to be there one day. Then your mindset is already there. So it's the same thing. Whether you've hit that level socioeconomically or economically, or you've mindset-wise said, I will be there one day. There's three needs. There's one, you have to be competent in the work you do. You have to feel like you're competent in the work you do. Two, you have to live authentically. So live by your own code. And then three, you need a community around you to support who you are. So, those three elements to me, whether you're starting out and maybe especially when you've hit some level of success, those three elements, like you are going to end up being competent in what you do if you're hitting that level of success you want. It is likely to be more authentic you doing that because there's alignment in, in what you're great at, what you're interested in, and what you're actually doing. But often we lose at the highest levels. Guys find out later they're at 10, 20, 30, 50 million. And like, why do I feel miserable? They don't have community. So, building the habit early. Of being in some community a local rio whatever it might be but just being around other like-minded people is infinitely important
1: can't i can't uh second that hard enough man that is that is absolutely true uh birds of a feather flock together and you yeah you don't it doesn't need to be lonely at the top or whatever other cliche you want to throw at it. there's there's all, all kinds of ways to plug into that but but you must we are social animals we're tribe animals and nature abhors a vacuum. You're not going to do well in a vacuum, um, situation. So luckily you don't have to, right. There's, there's ways around that, but can't underscore being in a community and and, and a tribe enough. So really appreciate that insight. I think that's super helpful for people to hear. Um, I want to talk about, okay. you, You know, I love the idea of somebody creating this life very intentionally and going out and kind of wringing everything out of it. Um, You've done that in so many ways, whether it's, you know, living outside the country for extended periods of time, building businesses, things like that. But what is your day? Um, I guess what I really want to get to, you know, what's an ideal day or week look like for you now? And how did that transition go for you from, you know, W-2 job, really successful through a transition? Because I struggled with that myself, right? And there's all kind of kind of hurdles you got to get through to get to a point where, um, you're enjoying your, your day and ostensibly you've kind of set it up where you're, you're doing things you enjoy and you're good at, but what was that journey like for you and, and what does your day look like? Or, you know, a week, maybe every day is not the same, but what does an ideal kind of week look like for you now to today?
0: Yeah. The leaving my W2, I was shocked. And I think I hear this from a lot of people. I was shocked that I created a 40, 50, 60 hour vacuum and I was just as busy after I left my job. So that was a little bit, that was interesting. But what I've I've learned and unpacked from that and somebody, uh, a friend of mine uh, told me, he's like, it took me like a year, year and a half as an entrepreneur out of my job to like settle into some sort of routine that served me. Otherwise I just kind of woke up I answered some emails. You know, I, I got through the day and I went back to sleep. I, I don't know what I did that first year. And I would have that same story. That first year for me was honestly a duplication of my W two. In my W two, I'm a high level guy. But if I had to break it down, or if a, if a UFO was watching me, or an alien was watching me, they would just say, "Yeah, you you reply to emails all day." That's <laughs> right? what it felt like I did, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, no matter what my role was or responsibilities, like shoot me an email on that. Did you reply to that email? Did you get that email thread? All right, we ready to send that email, that big broad, broad email. <laughs> Everything was email. Right. So in the year after I left my job, I pretty much was in my email. It was just 20 years of conditioning that this must be what work is. But I was busy and you know, I had I was building a merge. I'm part of quantum capital. So we're we're acquiring properties at this point. I had my own portfolio at the time that I was still managing. I feel like there was something else I'm missing, but there's a few different things that I'm just sort of like swatting at each day, but it was all email-based. Yeah. So after a year, I sat down and really tried to audit. And I'd love to say I went back and some people do this, looked at, okay, what did I do every day? Like I didn't, I I, I should do that, but I never did it. Sure. I, I went through what I call a solo weekend. I do this once a quarter. I'll go away for three days to a hotel or whatever with an intention and then just allow myself to decompress and think and journal and come up with, you know, so the intention was like, what is holding me back from making progress in this solo weekend? And then you just sort of think and meditate and, you know, listen to music or listen to something and journal a bunch. And by the end of the weekend, you come up with some thoughts and ideas. You just sort of unpack it all. And what I realized was the first thing I need to do is I need to outsource my email. So for six bucks an hour, I found a virtual assistant, trained them, and it wasn't easy. I don't have a perfect template for it. It sure. had to be somebody that had the ability to sort of like, all right, I can think on my feet and understand that not every email is going to have the same, same structure to it or same template response but they took email off my plate oh man. and then it was like, all right, well, I did this because I want to spend time with my family, right? Yeah. I, I want to, I want to model for my family, what it, my kids, especially what it can be. So all right, I got to design my day a little bit better. So I made some changes to that. And then that led to us moving here to really actualize a vision, but my day today uh, and I, I, I abide by this mostly is you know i i'm a fairly early wake up guy anywhere from 4 30 to 6 somewhere in there i wake up i haven't set an alarm in two years i just wake yeah. up when i wake up and yeah, I, I love too. that right I'm the same. Yep. so i'm up it depends on what's happening if one of my kids are up i'll hang out with them if not i might i might you know meditate or, or do whatever my morning routine is very simple i drink a whole thing of water i brush my teeth i take a cold shower that's my morning routine anything after that is like all right if it's extra early i'll journal whatever but the morning is reserved for until just recently with the school ending my wife and I get up, we get the kids ready. We bring them to school, we go to the gym and we work out till about nine, nine 30. I come home living here. We have full-time uh, in-home housekeepers. So they cook our food. They do everything for us, which is amazing. So, you know, they'll make us, us breakfast or whatever. And the mornings each day are dedicated to a different task. I've sort of, I've sort of put together uh, a daily outline. Like Monday, I write my newsletters, which comes out on Tuesdays. Tuesday, I have a certain thing that I do, but the mornings are clear until noon each day. From noon to five is where I do my work. That's where my phone calls, my meetings, getting on podcasts, hosting podcasts for the most part. Sometimes I'll sneak into the morning on a on a Thursday or a Friday if somebody needs it, depending on the guest. But I really try to reserve until noon each day for whatever I wanna do. It doesn't mean I won't take a phone call or won't make a phone call, but it's on my time. And then from noon to five, it's everyone else's time. And then evenings, I, I I've crept into evenings a lot in the past and I've really limited that now. Every Wednesday night, we have a date night. That's on the calendar. We have a sitter set up for that. Yeah. Um, Tuesday nights, I do one thing with a merge. At eight o'clock, we call it an accountability call. But beyond that, our evenings are, are pretty free. And I don't have like a pattern to it. But my day by day is condensed. It's it's. I get a lot of value out of the stuff that I do do. And I don't need to justify. And even when I think about my W-2, like I didn't need eight hours. I didn't. But I needed to right. look busy for eight. I needed to wiggle the mouse So that my teams stayed green. So whoever's monitoring or watching me knew that I was there, but beyond that, I didn't need to do it. So my day now is like, well, I I'm just as productive. I make just as much, if not more money by condensing my day to about four or five hours each day. So it's been an interesting shift and it'll shift again. Of
1: course. Yeah. Thank you. That's a, a lot there. That's condensed. And I appreciate that. I want to dive in very specifically and tactically on the email because, um, just selfishly, that's something I've kind of experimented with. And there's days where, hey, I'm gonna be taking a free day or I'm gonna be traveling or whatever. And I'll tell my assistant, just watch my email. You know, you see something come in that you can handle, handle it, or have somebody in the team handle it, or just star it, you know. And then if it's if it's junk, filter through it. So when I come back to it, there's just a couple of focused things for me to to work on. Um, and you know, right now my assistant's here in the, in the office and everything, but and I know you said you don't have a perfect plan, but you know how tactically are yeah. you handling email outsourcing today? Is it um, are you on Gmail? Is somebody going in there? Do they put it in different folders? I really kind of want to get down to the nitty gritty on that.
0: Yeah, I am the least organized guy in the world. I'm <laughs> that
1: visionary, right?
0: So yep. Yep. I have a Hotmail account that I've had since '94 or nice. whatever. I still, still have it, and yeah. that's mine. That's mine. Yeah. That's anything yeah. that I want to do like individually, I'll use that account. There's yep. a lot of spam in there. Uh, there had yes. been a lot of spam in there. And then I've got different, I have two or three other email accounts that I have, uh, different G Suite for different businesses or whatever. Those are managed by my virtual assistant. So the first thing I had him do, because I had these accounts and I'm managing all these accounts, they all just kind of funnel into Outlook. So they're on my phone. I don't yep. know which, you know, I just see a bunch of email First thing I had him do was go through and identify anything that was, uh, that I could unsubscribe to and right. send me that. So he, God, man, there had to be 300 different emails across my, my different, um, wow. email addresses that were just, I don't know how I got on list or I subscribed or somehow I, my information was sold or whatever. And I just went, he gave me check boxes and I went through and checked off the ones I wanted him not to unsubscribe from. That was easier. Cause only like 10 or 15, like, no, no, no keep these. I'm invested yeah. in that. I'm one of yours. Honestly, I'm, I'm right. I have an LLC that's invested in DJE. So sure. keep that, but the rest of this stuff unsubscribed. So that helped a ton. And I probably need to do that again. Cause it feels like it's, it's crept up again. Like I don't, I've never been on this website. How did I get this? But that was number one. Number two was then going through the inboxes. I wanted him to manage and just talking about with him, like, all right, this is what this is about. And the general response I would want to have on that is this. So for a while, I would have him write the response, leave it in draft. I would review it and say, no, change this, change that or whatever. And like then he that. would send. Yeah. Okay. So that didn't take long. And again, I, I struck gold. I went through a, a, a site called virtualstaff.ph and okay. I found this assistant. His name is Mark. And he just displayed Quickly for me. And I've had a few, but he was the one, the only one that didn't need a binary checklist. Like he, he mm-hmm. needs help. I'm not saying he's just completely sure. autonomous. He sure. needs some help and he needs some guidance from time to time, but he'll WhatsApp me on anything that he's not sure of. And we've gotten to a really good place where he understands okay, these are the types of emails that we get for the Emerge uh, membership, and this is how you can handle those. These are the types of emails we get for quantum. And this is how you can handle those. And then there's enough stuff in the middle that he's unsure of. And he just messages me like, and he'll even, he's gotten better with this. He'll send me in WhatsApp, his reply. Here's what I'm going to say. And I'll say, perfect, send it. And that just gives him more momentum toward, toward, you know, okay, I can, I can just autonomously do this. I still look at my email. It's not like I never see it, but I just peek at it. Like, is there anything interesting in here? I'll scroll through. Like, Bobby Kennedy Jr. Uh, his team just replied on potentially coming on the podcast, right? So on, I, I want to look at that email, right? I want to see yeah, that email and, and know if I can get him or whatever. We'll that's see what happens. Awesome. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But but generally speaking, he does that. And and again, that's my Hotmail account. Like I use my Hotmail account for stuff that's only for me that he doesn't need to see anything right. personally, financial or whatever. Sure. Yeah. But sure. there's yeah, there's no. I don't. I, I didn't build a, a a giant template thing. I didn't build the folders. He did. Um, he showed me what he did i'm like well, how do you want to manage this inbox and he decided he's like well these are going to go here your responses to newsletters they go there this comes in that goes there so i've got all these inboxes or these uh folders if i wanted to check them i could with the responses the types of emails that come in but overall it, it was just probably 4 5 6 months of hey here's all of it let's let's carve off these easy 20% that are simple to respond to they're 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 a template they're a you can you can just click Po- uh, I'm sorry, copy, paste, send on these. And then we sort of crept in a little bit and crept in a little bit. And we're at a place where 85%, 80, 85% of the stuff that comes in, he can handle the remainder he sends to me. And that's just, that's way less arduous than, than opening up my inbox. And oh, how do I reply to all of this? You know, and there's times I do, like, I'll see an email that he hasn't replied to yet. And I'll jump in and reply. I'll admit there's been a couple of times where I've replied as him for different reasons. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. I don't want this person to know that I'm, that I'm the one responding to them because I fear that they may feel like, Oh, now I know how to get you. I, I know that sounds weird. So yep. I'll reply as him just to keep that arm's length. Ah, um, I like it. I like right? it. But, yeah. but I, I, it went from all day email to, I mean, I check it a couple times a day and that's it.
1: Okay, cool. That, that was awesome. Thank you. That's exactly what I was looking for, to kind of get really tactical and down to the details. And I, I think kind of taking some mental notes here about some things I want to implement out of that. It's interesting that you say, and it's so true, I never thought about it this way, the aliens watching you and they're like, I think this being's job is to do email the, from the from the outside looking in, that's what they do. Um and what did what did that do for what did that do for your day? I mean, uh, tactically and for your headspace and things like that, to to be able to give away most of that. My job is really the the best use of me, and I just I,
0: and like you, I, I've been thinking a lot about purpose and all of that stuff. And I had outlined my purpose at one point uh, as being to inspire and motivate others to live their best life. Mm-hmm. And what I realized recently in uh in another solo weekend, big fan of doing my solo weekends, is that's my mission, right? So my mission is to do that, to inspire and motivate others to live their best life. But my, my purpose, and I took a lot of thought and an entire weekend of kind of dissecting this, I really enjoy. And that's why I wanted to be an NFL sportscaster. I really enjoy the art of communication. I feel like mm-hmm. I have a gift for it. Mm-hmm. Obviously I speak a little fast sometimes it's probably slow down, but I love seeing something and then explaining it to people in a way that's impactful to them. That's why I wanted to be a sportscaster. I didn't realize it was the wrong medium. And I'm in the space today of being, you know, a a mastermind leader, a community leader, a podcaster, where I get to do exactly the same exact thing, just in a different medium today. So when, when the email cleared up and I had this solo weekend, uh, I'm sorry. Well, the email cleared up, I had this solo weekend and it was like, wow, you know what my real purpose is? My real purpose is simply to be seen, to be seen. It felt very egotistical to say that. And then I felt okay. Like we all have egos. If my ego is satisfied or satiated by, by hey, yeah, I, I enjoy this. I like, you know, it, I guess to some extent, I like hearing myself talk like we all do. But at the same time, I've gotten a lot of feedback, 50 people plus, that the stuff that I do and put together and create and connect and all of that has helped them change their life. It's helped me fulfill my mission and, and for them to change their life, to be inspired and motivated to live their best life. So being seen for me at scale is probably the best use of me. So now without the, the, the email being as burdensome, I go into creation and documentation. So my mornings, when I say each morning is something, one morning I do a bunch of copywriting, like on different, different audiences that I want to make sure get a message from me that I promised and have committed to these audiences, because I really believe that you've got hard assets out there like real estate and businesses. And the one hard asset people just understate, the, they don't understand is a true hard asset. And maybe the most valuable one is an audience. An audience will see you through when your real estate portfolio crashes. An audience will see you through when your business goes belly up. An audience will be there for you if you serve that audience and you're consistent with that audience. So I spend my mornings serving the audience. Like I said, I write my newsletter on Monday. I I chronicle, I call it confessions of a midlife entrepreneur. I chronicle my journey every week as a guy in his forties who quit a high paying job, like 80% of people want to do the highs, the lows, the shit I step in, whatever it is, it's all there every week. I just did the carnivore diet and I, I explained why and how I learned from the carnivore diet the power of focus in my businesses that you know like that's the stuff I try to put together highly valuable content for people. Uh, I do I film videos long form Tuesday mornings I do shorts every day I do all these different things to jo- document my journey So what it's allowed me to do is free up space to be seen and I hope and think that by seeing being seen I feel fulfilled well I know that happens but that also people, I, I my my mission is fulfilled which is
1: for people to be inspired and motivated to live their best life yeah i love it so much good stuff in there thank you um and i think the proof's in the pudding right you talk about the con- the the impact from emerge and some yeah. real numbers there and people that have gone on to the to the higher tiers you talk about um podcast and the and the reach of the podcast so yeah i don't think this stuff is theory at this point this is this is proven i really like the this self-awareness and the authenticity of saying, all right, I'm going to get past this kind of initial thought around my ego about this being the thing and, and push through it. And I, I think maybe some of the clarity from the weekends that you do is, is uh, attributable for that or to that. But um, what, um, what I wanted to ask you about was how, um let me see. I had a, I had something I want to ask you. I should have written it down. I know that happens to me all the time. But let yeah. me get back to that. I, I want to make sure before we wrap it that we do talk about Quantum because we sure. talk about a lot about real estate on the show. You're big in real estate. I'm big in real estate. So I, I want to make sure we touch on that and then maybe come back to my other thought, which is It'll still come back. floating out out there.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Quantum Capital uh, is a multifamily acquisition company. Our niche is value add BC class, older vintage multifamily in in uh, top tier markets. So we're, we're, we've are we're we been very active in Denver, specifically within a couple of neighborhoods within Denver that have, have high demand, really, really great, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, architecture, I guess, like beautiful neighborhoods, right? We have mm-hmm. some stuff in Austin, although that predates me. So Quantum Capital was founded, and this is cool, Like again, going back to abundance, was founded by a guy named Mark Henteman. And Mark's a great guy, but the coolest part about Mark, I think you know, is he's a, a family guy writer for the last 22 years, right? He's been a writer for Family Guy and he's built this portfolio on the side because at the beginning of his career he didn't think a writing career was going to be lucrative i mean he sure. was wrong but he fell in love with real estate and i met him at an event it was him and one other guy managing a you know 150 million dollar portfolio and he's like man i your connection energy your 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 presence like i could really use as a partner a general partner that investor relations marketing type of voice and for me, honestly, I hate operations. So the stuff I owned on my own, I had to acquire, operate, turn, you know, run the management team, do the asset management. I, just, I don't want to do any of that, but I like the contact part of real estate. So when he offered this to me, it was like, wait a minute, I could be in real estate. I could be in real estate and the things that I love. And then the other part of it is you know, everything I had done was around my vision to, uh, to live for three plus months anywhere in the world. I don't need to be on the ground. I'm not the asset guy, right? Nick is the asset guy. He's the guy that's yep. on the ground in Denver and he's there making sure the management team is doing their job. So I yep. can do this from anywhere. So those variables in place maybe say, "Yeah, I'll partner up." And um we've acquired uh, eight eight properties in the last 12 months or so. We just acquired one a couple of months ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago I should say. And our last three deals were all creative and financing. We did a we did a 1031 tick. She was the entirety of the $7 million raise because she had wow. sold a whole portfolio in in, uh, in uh, California. So we did it as a JV with her as, as essentially the um, uh, the entire, call it her, an LP, but she's, you know, um, All the yeah. From so most- there was one, another one we did was an assumption on a chase deal uh, at 3%, right? As rates were climbing and we just did a owner finance three years, 2%. Interest all three years IO uh with I think a 65% loan to value on that property, 66% loan to value on that property. So the last three deals we've created the finance. Now, as you are probably seeing, it's a little harder to find deals that pencil out, you know, the, the whole thing people say about uh sellers want yesterday's prices, buyers want today's or tomorrow's prices. And so we're in that spot. There's one deal we're looking at, but we'll see what happens. But um, what I love about quantum is, and I I say this to people with with um with real estate, and I've seen it, and I know you have as well, with operators that that uh went very aggressively with their debt terms in the last one to two years. And unfortunately, they're getting caught in this market. I don't celebrate yeah. that. I right. hate that sure. quote from Warren Buffett. I don't like mine the quote, but I hate how people use the quote, like when the tide goes out, you'll see who's swimming naked. It's like, yes, but the way you say it is, haha, these idiots who took a shot, maybe an honest shot and just. They didn't understand well enough, but they did it honestly. They weren't the Houston guy with 3,200 units or whatever. They did it honestly. So I hate that quote because it makes people who don't take action chastise those who took their shot and learned and lost. And they'll come back. I believe in that. But the point is we are seeing that right now. And the thing about quantum, and honestly, I've learned this as I've went, what I really value is we're low loan to value. We're long debt terms. We don't get into a lot of bridge or anything short term for that reason. And we can extend up to 15 years on our terms if we needed to. So mm-hmm. we can ride out ups and downs in the markets and at a lower loan to value, we're not going to likely get caught uh, in a position where we have to you know, fire sale or, or lose on the deal in that regard. So I don't know. That's what i found has been the value of how we invest. And um, yeah, that's what I got.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Great overview. Um, yeah. I don't celebrate that stuff either. I am a... Champion and advocate for the entrepreneur. It's why I do this show, right? I want to talk to people that that went and did it. I want to talk to the man in the arena that is actually gone great. out and done. Great, it. great. I love it, man of the arena. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody can talk about this stuff, and so few do. So I, I totally agree. I, I think it's kind of funny. Kind of in the multifamily space, it seems like, w- you know, within the last year, every operator is like, "Hey, there's going to be a lot of issues." But, uh, but we're, we're sharp and we're well capitalized and we'll be able to capitalize on it. I'm like, we, we can't all be saying that, right? That it can't be true that everybody's there's going to be some pain and, and we are seeing that in the marketplace for sure. Um, But look we know the stuff cyclical it creates opportunities and, and things like that. So, I mean, um, I didn't cause these macroeconomic issues. You didn't cause them. No, uh, we're going to be strategic about buying stuff and, and trying to do right for our investors. So yeah. Is there going to be maybe, uh, stuff that, that comes up out of this and some pain? Absolutely. Through these, through these rates, but yeah, I, I, I love it. And I second that. I don't celebrate somebody that gave it an honest go, uh, losing a property or, or yeah. whatever. Right. Um, Right. But I also didn't cause that, and you know, uh, so I just think it's kind of an interesting distinction. So appreciate the the overview on quantum, and I and I love uh, one of the things I like about multifamily is there there is so much to do, and there's so many different pieces that require so many different types of skill sets that it does right. lend itself to these partnerships. I think in ways that um, I wouldn't say is unique to multifamily, but multifamily seems really well suited to hey, you're strong in this area, and oh, I love it. It, it, it felt like these partnerships. Um, can 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 work out well, or that multifamily is just a good fertile ground to to build that, where you're you're strong in a couple areas, and your partners are strong in others. That's certainly how we've built our team. More, you know employee based but we've got some very specialized roles within our within right, our think, company th- what I love about what you just said if I could because I speak sure. to again yeah.
0: my my audience tends to be hey I'm a 42 year old dude who hates his job how, do, how did you do that right yeah. right and yeah. you're right I think I think you said it absolutely perfectly I, I generally speak about any business but I tend to lean in on because a lot of people are saying real estate speaks to me whether it's as a partner an owner or an employee in that space right whatever yeah. it might be And I always say that, look, there's three skills. There's three different skills and you have your superpower resides in one of these three Mm -hmm. as an employee at a company that's highly valuable to any business. But I feel like maybe it's because the business we're in, in particular multifamily, you are either a great analyzer, you're a great integrator, or you're a great connector. Mm -hmm. If you possess any of those three, I shouldn't say if you possess, because you possess one of those three. And some people might be like, oh, I'm kind of good at all. I'm like, maybe, but there's one you're just naturally gifted with. The yep. analyzer can, I'm not this guy, but they'll go through a spreadsheet, not only because they know how to use it, but they also optimize the sheet and they know the cells that, oh my God, I can make this so much better. Then they go home at night after doing that all day. And they'll spend three months in edmunds.com analyzing whether they should buy the Kia or the Isuzu, right? Like right. that's the analyzer. They could do it all day. Yep. They never lose energy. could yep. track that with a connector. This is me. I could be on this one after another, a podcast all day, and then be on the phone with my friends all night. Like I, We'll never lose energy interacting, but flip us, put me in his role as an analyzer. I can do it, but God, I want to lay down after about 15 minutes. And the same thing, you see it with an introverted, typically person who's more analytical put them in a social setting. They can do it, but they need space after to be alone. Right. Then you get that integrator, that field general type, the person who may not be the big visionary, but they're like, wow, I see what you're doing. And I can see the soldiers on the field. I can see six steps ahead. Those three skills, whether you have it in, in insurance claims or digital marketing or whatever, are highly transferable. And you, I mean, look, you're a bigger operator than I am, so you tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but highly transferable to any business, but in particular multifamily. An underwriter uh, uh, is is your analyzer, an integrator is your is your uh, asset manager slash acquisitions guy or gal, and you've got your connector energy, which is your investor relations marketing person. like those are the, you everyone listening has one of those three as their superpower. And they're leverageable. If you dare to actually put yourself out there, you might have to do it for less money or less of a role or whatever to get started. But man, there's a lot of power and just leaning into that thing that you're
1: gifted with. Yeah. I love it. Such a great distinction on those three roles. And if you're putting together a multifamily team, take take notes on that. That's that's absolutely true. And that's I've seen it play out over and over again. But you got to pay attention to that, and part of that, I think, going from W two to entrepreneur is just being real honest about where where your energy is getting drained, and and then where's that thing that you could do all day naturally. I you know I wanted to come back to something that that I wanted to ask you earlier about. You know how much of this do you think is innate for what you like to do. You talk about, you know, you be on back-to-back podcasts, talk to people all day. I remember I took a 23andMe test, which I kind of regret now because I, I heard they like sent it over to China and now China's oh, no like kidding. on my, bio, like, that's like how they do it. So cheap. I heard uh, Kyle Bass say that on a podcast and I was like, dang it. I sh- no wonder it was only a hundred bucks. Uh, so they've got all my data on my you know, DNA, but they did send me an email that said, Hey, you have this higher propensity for, I guess, no fear of public speaking than most people. And it was like, man, I thought I thought I earned that. I thought, you know, I used to sing in bands and I, I have always been comfortable. I thought I earned my comfort level of public speaking. And it turns out that might just be genetic. So, I mean, do yeah. you feel that way? Like, hey, you were just kind of born to be on camera, on the mic, talking to people or what, you know, what's your thought there?
0: Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, yes. I think that we are born with certain tendencies. Now they could be, could be enhanced or beaten out of you i guess but yeah, yeah i I've, I've always been somebody who's had a bit of a ham uh uh in me you know who's always liked yeah. to perform i've done i've done stand-up comedy in boston for three months i was are uh, you serious was <laughs> technically a stand-up comic and i remember Were you the first, doing
1: open mics or what open was mics. Uh,
0: yeah that i remember the first cool. first one i did i was so nervous it was like eight o'clock at night that i had to go sign up for the open mic i didn't eat or drink all day and oh by my 10 gosh. o'clock i am i get on or 10 o'clock pm i get on stage and to your point, like the moment I stepped on stage, all the nerves, all the, all the everything gone. I was so oh. comfortable up there. I was you know, doing audience work at my first five minute set. The guy, the host was like, that was your first time, huh? It wasn't like amazing, but it was not bad, you know, compared yeah. to what most do, You're but right. I'm really comfortable in that space. So no, I, I do think, I think we're born with natural gifts. And what I think the struggle is though, that we're. We're told what we should, we're, we're directed in a direction that we think that others think we're more suited for my, my guidance counselor told me I wasn't going to get into a certain school because of my grades. And then I learned like, well, I went to the school and I met with the person who does the admissions and that interaction. Like she doesn't value person to person interaction. I do. I talked myself into being accepted into that school, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's a natural gift of mine that she didn't recognize and she didn't want to promote. So I just took it as like, oh. I can't get into that school, and just by chance, I went there and visited and met the right guy, and and my whole worldview flipped. Like, oh wait, other people aren't right about me; I'm right about me. But yeah, I think it's innate. I think it's it's uh, it's in us who we are, and outside of in, intense trauma that can directly, you know, it can take you off track, maybe with who you are, and 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 uh, contribute to mental disease. Uh, I do think it's just it's it's what I'm naturally gifted with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Well, let's, let's kind of wrap up with the the future here. You know, we're sitting talking middle of 2023. Um, what are your goals moving forward next year? You know, kind of beyond what are, what are you excited about? What are you focused on? The podcast for me is it's
0: really become the medium for everything that I truly want. I just, um, my, my five-year, my, sorry, my three-year vision expires at the end of this year and one of the things was supposed to be quitting my job but i did that about 2 months after writing the vision so I, you know the vision a lot of it was realized and then the stuff that wasn't realized i don't know if you've had this experience it's almost like i don't even know why i wrote that in there honestly yeah. other than maybe right. just to oh this would be cool but it wasn't something i was really committed to sure. but for the most part I've, I've i've completed the the core of what my vision was i mentioned about travel and leaving my job and all of that so I just redrafted my new vision with some learning that all I need is an outcome statement. I don't need this long, big, huge thing. And the outcome statement I have because of what I explained, my, my, my purpose in life is to be seen. My mission is to inspire and motivate others to live their best life. I believe the medium that I'm most attuned to and that I get the most value out of. And I think I give the most value through is podcasting. The guests I'm able to talk to, the information I'm able to download and share with others, it's a lot of fun for me. So my vision statement now is I want to build a, a, such an incredible valuable media uh platform that it's funny cuz it might happen now. Presidential candidates and high high uh like you know the New York Times best selling authors all these people are requesting to be on my platform. Now, it's I'm requesting cool, I'm requesting Bobby Kennedy. He's not asking for me, but sure, sure. I want to be in that place where, you know, presidential candidate comes out or uh, an Atomic Habits type book comes out from uh, I can't remember his name, but he releases the next book. James Everyone Clear. wants to read it. What's his name? James Clear. James Clear. Yep. He is gonna. He's got his pick, and he's gonna go to Joe Rogan, Jordan Harbinger, Lex Friedman. Right? I want to be on that list. Essentially, is my vision. So, the objective moving forward is going from all right. Do I do I stay podcast or do I go media company? Do you right. go full scale, right? Do you yeah. take this and make it so that you've multiple distribution channels? Podcasts can kind of be the, this podcast, my podcast can kind of be the, the premier offering within this media company, but blogs, other content, maybe other media personalities coming in more real time getting on, like, you know, SVB just collapsed. Let's get on and deliver news, more of a newsroom sort of, sort of feel to it. That yep. delivers a lot of value. That's what I'm thinking the how is to achieve the vision.
1: That's ex- so that's so exciting, man! Thank you for sharing that. I love it. Yeah. Man. Um, I you you've got a strong supporter in me. I'm che- I'm cheering for you on the sidelines, man. Thank I, you, I, I man. freaking love it. I freaking love it. That means um, a lot. All right, man. Let's let's wrap it up there. This has been fantastic. I'm so glad we got a chance to connect. Um, somebody wants to learn more. I, where should we point it, man? We got so many different things. You got quantum. You got the podcast. You got the, you got uh go abundance, you know, where, where should we send people to if they want to know more about Jamie Gruber? Always love people listening and tuning into tribe of millionaires. That's my podcast. If you
0: want to do more on the social side at the Jamie Gruber on Instagram is the best spot in my link tree. You can get my newsletter and some other downloads and all of that. So tribe of millionaires podcast at the Jamie Gruber on
1: Instagram. Those are the two best spots. Awesome. We'll link to that in the show notes. If you're listening, you can scroll through and, and click through that. And, and, um, and get connected with Jamie. So, up uh, man, thank you very much. Awesome to see you. It. Um I think you're wrapping up your trip here this summer, right? Coming back stateside. So, so safe travels there and uh awesome to connect. Wish you continued success, man. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate being on. Awesome. We'll see you.
0: Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.